the love of money can take down a man or woman of God faster than you can imagine. Why? Because at its root, it's a battle for the heart. And if the heart goes after idolatry and the worship of money, the heart then moves away from God, the heart then becomes corrupted, and the heart is no longer fruitful or useful for the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus takes it so seriously. That's why we must take it seriously as well. See, the problem with our heart is our heart is an idol factory. Our heart is a factory that produces idols all the time. And the love of money is often at the top of the production list of the idols that come from the factory, again, of idols within our heart. Good day and welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and we're thankful that you've joined us here today. Uh, Robbie Simons, our teacher, is also with me in the studio, and today's message takes us to a topic that affects all of us again. In fact, as we're finding in the middle of this series in the worth of wisdom, as we're walking through God's Word and what it has to say to our hearts, the spiritual condition of wisdom that we need to understand, we're finding that so many of these topics are really just universal truths. Our topic today is a great one, but before we get there, let me share with you just how to connect with us. Maybe you've been gripped by the ministries here at Live in the Light, or maybe you're challenged or would like to get a copy of today's message. You can connect with us online at Live in the Light, that's L I G H T dot C A, or you can phone us up at 1 844 225 4448. That's 1 844 22 Light. Well, today's message, Robbie, is wisdom for the money-hungry. That's for all of us. Yeah, it really is. In the world that we live in, in our society, Craig, and just the way that materialism and consumerism just capture so many hearts. Again, it's not surprising how much the Word of God has to speak on the issue of money and specifically warning us as to the love of money. And so we need wisdom in these areas, and the book of Proverbs is going to offer a lot, a lot of wisdom on the issue of money. Let me ask you, listener, let me ask you, loved one, right now, Where's your heart in regards to money? How much do you think about this? How much does it stress you out? How much are you motivated by it? How much does it guide your thoughts and change your emotions? Is this something you feel you understand that you can move through spiritually? Are you in a place again where God needs to redirect your thinking according to his, where you need to maybe come and say, you know what? I have been off track. My heart has been distracted. My love has been directed in too many areas of the world and items and, and, and money. Well, then you're here today for the right reason God wants to speak to you. He wants to give you wisdom that in the end you might have joy and freedom and blessing and you might live in such a way that you could see the, the happiness and the joy of Jesus Christ, not in the possessions of this world. So lead us, Lord, in today, a very important message in the name of Jesus Christ. Lead us and free us from this world to live more for you. Amen. Well, let's get ready for God's word today, and we are praying that he would do a great work in all of us. Here again is our teacher, Pastor Robbie. Please find a Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to be reading a couple of verses as we get started today together, and then we will work our way towards Proverbs uh, 3. 
But in Matthew chapter 6, and I'll just read this for you. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this, and this verse really sets up our entire message today as we seek to gain wisdom on this very important issue. Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. No one. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then Jesus said this, you cannot serve God and money. The last phrase is the most important. I mean, Jesus is pretty clear about these things. He's not leaving questions in our minds. He says it right there, you cannot serve God and money. Now, the reason that Jesus spent more time talking about money than heaven and hell combined, and to my understanding, the only issue Jesus talked about more than money itself was the kingdom of God. The reason Jesus talked about money and finances so much is because Jesus was perfectly wise. And Jesus being perfectly wise, he knew this. He knew that one of the greatest temptations of the human heart would be the temptation to worship and love money. The love of money is a powerful and destructive thing. It will find cracks in the best of intentions. It will corrupt and twist the heart that once desired good. The Bible tells us today the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money can take down a man or woman of God faster than you can imagine. Why? Because at its root, it's a battle for the heart. And if the heart goes after idolatry and the worship of money, the heart then moves away from God. The heart then becomes corrupted and the heart is no longer fruitful or useful for the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus takes it so seriously. That's why we must take it seriously as well. See, the problem with our heart is our heart is an idol factory. Our heart is a factory that produces idols all the time. And the love of money is often at the top of the production list of the idols that come from the factory, again, of idols within our heart. R.A. Torrey, a great man of God, was a good friend of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, fantastically used of God in his time. Torrey wrote an article on seven reasons why D.L. Moody was used by God. One of the seven reasons that Torrey reports that he believes D.L. Moody was used by God, quote, D.L. Moody had a total freedom from the love of money. One of the foremost reasons he was used was that he, Moody was not held or distracted by the bondage of loving money too much or making an idol of it. He was completely free from this and, again, was not distracted by it. What this becomes an example of, if you and I want to be used of God to any degree, money cannot be your love. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. The reason the rich young ruler went away sorrowful from the presence of Christ was that he could not detach himself with what he truly loved, his money. You cannot serve God and money. Loved ones, the point of today is really this. If you and I are gonna live a life of wisdom, then we must gain wisdom on the issue pertaining to money. Listen, the wise person understands this. Wisdom, biblical wisdom regarding money is worth more than money itself. 
See, that's wisdom. Wisdom understands that the wisdom regarding money itself is worth more than money itself. You must believe this. I must believe this if we want to see effectiveness and fruitfulness in our lives for Christ. We're not surprised then how much Jesus talked about this, how much Proverbs has to say about the issue of money. Upwards of 70 verses on income and wealth and how we are to deal with finances in the fear of God. Proverbs does not pull any punches, which means we need unusually receptive hearts. And here's one of the things, as we go into a series or a message of wisdom for the money hungry in our society where this issue is so pervasive, it's, it's killing so many people, it's, 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 it's really the modus operandi of, of our entire society is really fueled by a craving for greater wealth or stuff or materialism. We have to understand this, Proverbs 21 verse 2, I'll, I'll just read it for you. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes but the Lord weighs the heart. So we have to put our ways aside and we have to understand God weighs the heart. Now, whenever I go into an issue like this too or a message like this, there are always people that whether or not they'd ever admit it, in their hearts they're saying, you can't talk to me about my money. You can't talk to me about my money. It's my money. I'd say, you're right, you're right. Today, God is gonna talk to you about his money. And there's a big difference. There's a very big difference. The person filled with wisdom understands the foolish person does not. God is gonna speak today through his word and God's gonna talk to you about the money that is all his anyways. So we're seeking wisdom, wisdom for the money hungry. We have three points today. Let's start with this. Number one is this, the priority of money, honor the Lord. The priority of money is to honor the Lord. Now we're at Proverbs 3, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Such a great verse, again, setting up what we want to do right now. We want to see who we want to be. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The first phrase is most important. Ready? Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Behind the word honor is the meaning of heavy or weighty. In this context, it is um, worthy of praise or impressive. So hear what the Bible's saying here. Honor the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. Worship the Lord. The one who is, who's, who is who's weighty in, in worth and, and, and due of praise and, and deserves to be honored because only the Lord God Almighty is, is really true greatness. Only he is majestic. And because God is great and because God is holy and because God holds majesty like no one else, then our right response to the Lord then is worship. Our right response to the only one who deserves this is worship. Our right response is honor. Our right response is glory to God. And what's so interesting here within this verse then, and not to mention convicting, and hear me here and hear God here, one of the ways that we prove we worship the Lord, one of the ways we prove we honor the Lord, one of the ways we prove we give glory to the Lord with our life is when we honor him with our wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Again, not a suggestion, but a command in the text. We worship God. We prove we honor God by how we handle his finances through our lives. Now, to the ungodly right now, or to the immature, this idea of honoring the Lord with our wealth can be irritating. 
And it's irritating to the person who hears this, who's ungodly or immature. Here's why it's irritating, because it's where your heart is not. So again, in love, I have to do this today. I don't love you if I don't do this. If you're sitting here through this message and you're finding excuses or rationalizing or even anger at what's being said to you, it's because I'm poking at what you truly worship. Because pastor's got the word of God right now and he's opened up your treasure box and he's starting to flip through some of the things that you really, really desire. And the moment someone goes after that, you get away from that, get away from that. And if your heart's doing it, I'm I'm just telling you in love, that is the clearest sign that I'm starting to get at the things that you really hold most dear. And the ungodly and the immature, they will react that way. Get away from me, get away from me. But to the godly and to the mature in Christ, the command to honor the Lord with your wealth, it's a delight. It's a privilege because they understand, they get it, they get it. This is worship. This is how I honor him. This is how I give him glory as one part through my life. To honor the Lord with my wealth is truly an act of worship. When the priority of money is the Lord, that's the fear of God in our lives. It gives him glory. When the priority of money is the Lord, that's an indicator, I fear the Lord. When offering is taken each weekend, the wise person understands this is an act of worship. It's my chance to prove I honor the Lord with this part in my life. And what's most important here, and I love this point so much, we learn here from scripture, when true spiritual transformation occurs, listen, listen, When true spiritual transformation occurs, financial transformation must also occur. When true spiritual transformation occurs, when the heart is turned over, true financial transformation must take place as well. The rich young ruler is an example of when that doesn't work. There wasn't true spiritual transformation. Jesus knows that. He confronts him with his idol of money. At that point, he then turns and he leaves Christ because he's not willing to part with his money. He loves money more than Christ. Financial transformation is an indicator of the reality of salvation. An example in a good light from the gospels is Zacchaeus. Short little Zacchaeus climbs up a tree. He sees Jesus, he's all excited. Jesus knows what's happening within his life. He sees Zacchaeus come down, I wanna go to your house today. Zacchaeus comes down in that moment, somewhere in there. The Bible tells us that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was rich. Zacchaeus was even defrauding people because he was so obsessed with accumulating wealth. Jesus knows all this from some time when Zacchaeus came down from the tree and greeted Jesus. At some point there, we have to believe he was transformed in heart, that he was brought to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because at that point, the first response of Zacchaeus from the greeting of Jesus as his sin is confronted, the first thing Zacchaeus says to Jesus is this. This is amazing. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. That's amazing. The first thing Zacchaeus says in light of greeting Jesus and seeing Jesus is like, Lord, I've messed up financially, but everything I know, I'll give back. Everything I've done wrong, all this is yours, Lord. I, re- I, re- I restore it to where it should be. And you know what Jesus responds? To Zacchaeus' first response, Jesus says, this is, this, is, this is amazing. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to this house. Think what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, the heart of Zacchaeus has been transformed. The finances of Zacchaeus has been transformed as an indicator that salvation has truly taken place within the life of Zacchaeus. That is awesome. Because that's the way it works. 
True spiritual transformation will lead to true heart transformation. Where there's true heart transformation, there must also be true financial transformation. And why is this true? Because where your treasure is there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is there will your heart be also. Loved ones, we cannot serve God and money. We cannot do it. As we think about this truth, then, the giving statistics across North America are very discouraging. Here's what Ron Sider says about this. And just in light of what we're talking about, I mean, just, just, just think about this, the heart of believers. Ron Sider says, and this is pretty blunt, he says, for Christians in the richest nation, it's written from a U.S. perspective, Canada is included within this for sure too. For Christians in the richest nation in history to be giving only 2.43% of their income to their churches is not just stinginess, it is biblical disobedience, he says, blatant sin. We've become so seduced by the pervasive consumerism and materialism of our culture that we, listen to this, that we hardly notice the ghastly disjunction, disjunction between our incredible wealth and the agonizing poverty in the world. Over the last 40 years, listen, American Christians have grown progressively richer but have given a smaller and smaller percent of our growing income to the ministries of the churches. Such behavior flatly contradicts what the Bible teaches about God, justice, and wealth. He ends it by saying, we should not be giving 2.4%, but 10%, 15%, even 25 to 35% or more to kingdom work. Most of us could give 20% and not be even close to poverty. And of course, he's right. What does that say? What does that say about the heart? And amazingly, we grow richer, giving gets smaller. Crazy. We've got to look at our hearts. What's happening is many people are trying to serve God and money. They're trying to do both. We cannot do that. You're either a slave to money or you're a slave to God. There's no in-between. John Calvin said this, where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority. When the influence of money increases, listen, the authority of God decreases. So maybe right now you're looking genuinely at this situation in your heart and you're like, man, like already you know I gotta change. My priorities have to change. What do I do? You look at Proverbs 3, verse nine. This is the place to start. Proverbs 3, verse nine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Now, honor and first fruits always go together. Think about it. When you honor someone, you give them your best. When you honor someone, you give them first. That's the point of honor. They're first. You give them your best. They don't get leftovers. Honor the Lord with your wealth. God cannot receive our leftovers of what's his in the beginning at first. God must get first share. God must get best share because he's God. This is such an important part of our worship. This is where we prove how we honor him or where our heart is really at as it relates to our treasure. So honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your produce. What does that mean? You honor God the first hour of your day. You honor God the first day of your week. You honor God, yes, with the first check you write. Yes, 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 yes. The first check you write is to the Lord. That's honor him. He's the best. He's the one worthy. He's the one who deserves all praise and glory. I prove that with my voice. I prove that with my life. I prove that with my wallet. It has to be this way. There are no exceptions. This is how we prove we honor and glorify the Lord. I mean, here's the thing. If we're coming to church and we're throwing in a couple of bucks into the plate, and yet in the week we're spending 50 to 100 bucks on Starbucks, 
Understand this. We are giving more to the kingdom of Starbucks than to the kingdom of God. That, loved ones, is insane. That is absolutely theologically crazy in my mind. That is so wrong. That is so just, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's happening though. It's happening across our continent. It cannot be. If you just think about that long enough, it cannot be. I'm giving more to the kingdom of Starbucks than the kingdom of God. No, 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 Lord. Makes me want to cry just saying it. It's so wrong. It really does make me want to cry. The hearts need to be transformed into understanding what matters in life. God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. He wants your heart. And those who get this with wisdom, they want to pursue him. And look what it says in verse 10 of chapter 3. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Notice, not a promise of prosperity, but it is a promise of provision. It is a promise of provision as the Lord decides. The New Testament equivalent, 2 Corinthians 9. You will reap what you sow. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow abundantly, you will reap abundantly. How does that work? God, God's the one who makes all grace will abound to you. The grace of provision for what you need, the grace of love in your life, the grace of things that don't break down when they should, whatever that means, God's grace will abound to the person in the context of giving generously in their finances. God promises that all grace will abound. Again, how? I don't know. God decides. But he promises to deliver on his promises. But if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. I know at least for, for Jill and myself that our hardest, hardest financial times is when we were giving the least. Absolutely, 100%. You just trace it through our, through our marriage. You start trusting the Lord, what he says to trust him with, to honor him with the first fruits. It's amazing how the Lord grows you through that and how he comes through and how he comes through. The priority of our money it's to honor the Lord. Hey, is, it, is this happening? Is this happening? Why? Be, because you love God. Because you worship God. Because you glorify God. Do you, see, do you see the heart of this? Do you see the heart of wisdom? It proves we honor him more than we honor ourselves. Wisdom understands this. Here's point number two. The danger of money or the peril of money, it can capture the heart. The danger of the love of money is that it can capture the heart greatly. I'm going to put on the screen here a verse from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. Check this out. It says, but those who, and I want to put this verse up because it's one of the best descriptions in the Bible of what can happen with the love of money. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into a snare. I mean, just, I think of a snare, man. I think of a, a big trap just ready to snap down our legs and just cause us sitting there in pain and suffering into a snare, into many sense, senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Wow. I mean, again, the Bible's not wasting words here. Those who desire to be rich, temptation of harmful desires plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice, it's not money itself. Money itself is not evil. It's the love of money. It's the worship of money that's evil. Money itself is just, what is it? It's a piece of paper. It's a couple of coins. But it's the adoration of money, the, the, the worship of money, the idolatry of money. That's the problem. 
The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving, craving, craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The love of money is dangerous. It can capture the heart. And it captures the heart. It takes away, again, the blessing and the fruit of our lives in the Lord. The danger is very clear. Let's look at Proverbs now to understand specific ways that money can be a hazard, the love of money can be a hazard in our lives. Uh, Here's the first one, the first hazard. I'll put these up on the screen beside me as well. The first hazard is this, burdensome debt. Watch out if you love money too much because that will find yourself into burdensome debt. Turn to Proverbs 22, uh, verse seven. Proverbs 22, uh, verse seven. Says this. Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now, the meaning behind rules over here is to have power or to have authority over someone. The point here is not comparing the rich to the poor, but the reality or the burden of excessive borrowing. The key phrase in this verse is the borrower is the slave of the lender. This explains a huge danger of the love of money. I don't think you can take God's word with integrity and say emphatically debt itself is a sin. I don't think you can do that. I think what you can do with the Bible is you can teach on debt that the Bible says debt can be dangerous. Debt can certainly be foolish. Debt can be excessive and debt can be entirely unnecessary. That's where wisdom comes in. Wisdom sees when debt is dangerous. Wisdom sees when debt is foolish. Wisdom sees when debt is excessive. And wisdom sees when debt is unnecessary. And wisdom avoids it then at all costs because of the danger that it causes within our lives. When we are in debt to someone, in essence, we become their slaves. The reason this is true then, because we come under their control. When we are in debt to someone, we have forfeited freedom on some level. When you owe people a bunch of money, you are indebted to them. They have power over you. So the Bible here is giving a large warning as to the realities of assuming debt. It's a burden that is guaranteed. I've always marveled at the very root of the word mortgage is death grip. Mort and get, it is. Whether it was intended in the old English to say that, that's the root of it now. And that's fascinating to me. Death grip. The burdensome reality of debt in our lives, especially when it's excessive and foolish and unnecessary. Do you know Canadians per capita are reported to have the second highest household debt to income ratio in the world? That means that Canadians owe $1.63 for every $1 of disposable income they earn. By contrast, 10 years ago, Canadians owned $1 for every dollar of disposable income. And in 1980, Canadians owned 66 cents for every dollar of disposable income. The trend is not going in the right direction. What is that revealing? It's revealing the heart of idolatry, the love of money and the love of stuff. We cannot discipline ourselves to not purchase what we cannot afford. Canada's total mortgage debt stood at just over 1.1 trillion first quarter of this year, and consumer credit debt reached 500 billion at the end of the first quarter of this year. The Bible says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. What is this an appeal for? This is an appeal for wisdom today, loved ones. That's what it is. It's an appeal for wisdom. Lord, help us to wise up. We will not win. We will not win as we allow debt to just cover and bury us over and as we love things and love stuff. We will not win. The foolish pursue this. 
Some of you are here right now and you're like, I am buried. Stewardship 101, you heard that announcement today. Stewardship 101 is a course designed to help you be freed from debt and to move on the principles of godly living that you may honor the Lord with the wealth that he has entrusted to you. I'd sign up today. Stewardship 101 to say, you wanna go your whole life in this way, the anxiety, the stress on your marriage, the burden that it is, the fear that you, the sleep that you lose, I mean, over money, God help us. God help us. The hazard of love of money is burdensome debt. Here's the second hazard, greed. Of course, greed. Proverbs 15, verse 27. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. You're listening to Live in the Light with Robbie Simons. Well, a convicting message today from God's Word, to say the least. We're so thankful that you have tuned us in today, and we believe that there are no accidents in God's plan. We believe that God had an appointment with you to sit and to listen to that message and even to be challenged and and caused to grow through God's word today. So if that's you and you're saying, yes, I need to make some changes. I mean, I need to make some uh, commitments to God that I've never made before. I need to even for the first time follow the Lord Jesus. I believe he is who he said he is. Then it's time for us to reach out to him, and we'd love to hear from you if that's the case. Uh, please make sure you dial us up at one 22 light We'd love to talk to you more. Or you can connect with us through our website at liveinthelight.ca. Again, we'd love to hear from you. That's all today. Again, from Live in the Light, we hope you uh, tune us in again tomorrow. God bless. <laughs>